everybody really doing today? Is everybody really feeling okay? Hey, who, who's ready for the holiday season? Can you, be, can you believe that it's here already? I told, uh, I was telling my wife, um, I don't know what happened to me this year, uh, but I, I used to be, like, I used to be the Grinch at Christmas. Like, like in fact, when we lived in Florida, uh, where I used to work, we would kind of dress up for the holiday season, and, and everybody would have fun with it. And, and I dressed up as Ebenezer Scrooge uh, when, we, when we had, like, dress up at work and all that good stuff. But for some reason, for some reason, like, this holiday season is, is really hitting me. And, and I know there's two, there's two different groups in, a, in the room. Where, where's my group? I see one of them way back there at the back. Where's, where's my group whose house is already decorated to the nines for Christmas? Caitlin, I think that's the most excited you've ever gotten in church. Well, you're like, yes, my, my, I saw Damon put up a post and you were like, November 1st, like house was like fully decorated. Like whose house is fully, de- for real, let me see the hands. Whose house is fully decorated? Who's kind of like in the middle of decorating right now? We, we, we took down everything out of the attic. Like we're, we're ready. But now Jenna, Jenna and I, we're, 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 real tree, we're a real tree family. Like you got real tree families and you got fake tree families. We're, we're a real tree family, so we're waiting on the trees to, to come in, but we've got all the decorations down. Now, here's the other group in the room. Where's the group that says, I'm just trying to make it through Thanksgiving? Where's that group? Where, where's that? R- regardless of, of where you fall, this is what I love about the holiday season. This is what I love about November and, and December. I mean, I love the fact that, I, that I'm able to, to get with family and friends. I love the fact that I'm able to spend time with, with those who I consider close to me. And over this, uh, this past week, Jen and I were kind of looking at the calendar. We're like, okay, we've got this event to go to. We've got this Christmas party to go to. And we, gotta, we want to do like a couple friends' givings. And we just, we just want to hang out with people. Listen, if you're new to the church, you're already a world changer in the room. A few things that we have coming in in the next several weeks are our world changer parties. And what I love about this time of the year is it's just an excuse for us to get together outside of the church. So I know, Pastor Paul, you're getting together with the worship team and and the media team. Um, They do a white elephant gift exchange that I drop in on every year just because I want like a cheesy $5 present and it's a lot of fun. Uh, But then uh, Brittany and Justin, they'll be throwing a party for all of our setup team and our teardown team. Uh, Pastor Eric is going to be throwing parties for our kids and our youth department. Listen, if you're like, well, I'm not serving yet, but I want to hang out. Great. We want you to hang out too, uh, because the reality of it is we already consider you to be a part of our family. So with all of this stuff like that's going on in, in this season, you're like, hey, I want to be a part of it. How do, how do I stay in tune with what the church is doing? Well, Josh actually mentioned it earlier. I know we kind of skimmed over it a bit, but church, we have an app now. Like, that's pretty cool. And this is the purpose of, of the app. The purpose is just for us to be able to stay in contact with one another. So it'll have all of our sermons listed on the app. Uh, Pastor Paul and, and Nicole, I mean, they and the team, they, they've been writing uh, music of their own. So we're going to start putting those songs on the app. Uh, we also have all of our groups and, and really every event that we have going on, not in just this season, but for the years to come are going to be on that app. So we want to make sure that you stay plugged in there. Uh, remember all the way back in January, we said that, that 2020 was going to be our year of yes. Now, I know 2020 has thrown a lot of stuff at us, and we're like, what, what exactly am I saying yes to? 
because, because there's a lot of stuff going on right now that I didn't subscribe to. That There's a lot of stuff going on in our society that I didn't want to say yes to. Uh, but from a biblical standpoint, we said that this was going to be a year of yes. Not, not just a yes when I feel like it. Not just a yes when it makes sense to me. Not just a yes when I benefit from it. And not just a yes when it makes me feel good. But a year of yes. And really not just a year of yes. A lifestyle of saying yes to whatever God has for me. Because I promise you church, whatever God has for us is far greater than what we could ever experience on our own. I don't want to say yes to what makes Zach feel good. I don't want to say yes to, to what just looks good on the outside. I want to say yes to what God has for our church, a lifestyle of yes. If you have your Bibles today, we're going to continue our series uh, say, uh, with a, a, a year, or excuse me, uh, our series of yes to generosity. Yes to generosity. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Hebrews chapter 11. I'm going to throw a lot of different scripture at us today, but Hebrews chapter 11 Starting in verse 1. Let me kick us off. Now faith is the assurance of what we hope for and the certainty of what we do not see. This is why the ancients were commended. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. So that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. So, So what's at play here? What's at play in these first two verses? We have a few different things. The first one is a command. We have a command from God, and then you have what was seen, but what was seen was not made out of what was visible. So the command, let's start there. The command in the original Greek is the Ramah. And the Ramah is a spoken word by a living voice. Church, can I just pause right there and I could preach a full sermon on the Ramah. I could preach a full sermon on the voice of God. I could preach a full sermon to remind us that God is still speaking. I can preach a full sermon on regardless of what we see going on around us, God is still speaking to the church. It's a spoken word. And then we see seen, the word seen. In the original Greek, it's the blepo. It's something that is seen in the physical, but it actually carries the idea that anything in the physical realm also has a spiritual reality. I'm going to break that down here in just a second. And then we have the visible or the phaino. And phaino means to bring to light, to cause, to appear, or to become manifest. So as we take a deeper look at this scripture and as we break it down, There are spiritual realities that have been spoken by God but are not yet manifested in the physical realm because they're waiting for God's people to attach faith to pull them from the spiritual to the physical. I'll put it this way. Has anyone ever heard the saying, I can see it in my mind's eye? You guys have heard that saying before. So if you close your eyes, everybody close your eyes. And I can tell you to imagine something. Imagine anything. Imagine a business that you want to start. Imagine something that you're creating. Imagine a software, a piece of software that you're creating. Imagine a business performer that you're putting together. Everybody go ahead and open up their eyes. You can see it in your mind's eye, but when you open your eyes, it's not physically in front of you. Verse 3, by faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen 
was not made out of what was visible. What did God speak into existence so that what was seen was not made out of what was visible? There's several things. Let me just hit a few. The first one, go ahead and look around the room. No, like literally, don't just look at me. Like look around the room. Like you see what? You see people, right? You and I were created out of something that was not seen or was not visible. So people, we are eternal souls before we ever manifest into physical bodies. Say, all right, pastor, it sounds kind of weird. Where are you getting that from? Well, scripture, it's what the Bible says. Jeremiah 1.5 says this, before I formed you in the womb, I what? I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. So before we were physical beings, before we had a heartbeat, before we had breath in our lungs, God says, I knew you. You and I were made out of materials that were visible, but created out of God's spoken word, created out of God's command. The the second one is this, it's our purpose. Our good works are already created in the spiritual, awaiting for physical manifestations. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says this, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Which what? God prepared in advance for us to do. God, we're, or God has put us here for, for a purpose. God, guys, we're not just here so that we can kind of walk aimlessly through life. We are God's handiwork and He's prepared a call for us. He's prepared a design for us. So, so maybe you're in the room and you're like, and I feel like I'm called to be an entrepreneur. Maybe you're in the room and you say, man, pastor, I feel like I'm called to be a teacher or a pilot or an RN or, or I'm really good with numbers and I, and I want to be a CPA. God has prepared a calling for each of us, but it's up to us to add our yes, to do the practical steps. So the entrepreneurs in the room, we have to research. We have to invest. We've got to take shots. We've got to take risks. Teachers in the room, maybe you had to go through a formal education and then you found yourself in the classroom teaching kids. Maybe you're a pilot in the room. You had to learn how to fly an aircraft before you ever carried anyone on that aircraft. They were spiritual realities that were put into physical manifestations. The third one is this, the tabernacle and the temple. Realities that then took place in physical manifestations. Hebrews chapter 8 Verse 5 says, they serve at a sanctuary that is a copy and shadow of what is in heaven. Number four, the new Jerusalem. The city of God is already creating and actually just awaiting physical manifestation. And we see that in Revelation chapter 21. Then I saw a new heaven and new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city. The new Jerusalem, what was it doing? It was coming down out of heaven from God. Why? Because it was prepared. It was already prepared. It's already there, church, as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. Jesus actually taught us to pray that spiritual realities would actually have physical manifestations. Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. Jesus taught, remember church, Jesus taught us Humanity, individuals, people, you and me to pray like this. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not as it's going to be someday in heaven. 
Jesus didn't teach us to pray in future tense. Jesus taught us to pray in present tense. Jesus taught us to pray in the here and now, as it is in heaven right now in this moment. Now, that all sounds really good and it sounds really fluffy, but, but man, how, how, where do we see that at play in the world? Where do we see that at play in a physical reality? Science has actually tried to make sense of all of this for centuries. They, they've been trying to figure it out for centuries. And they've coined phrases like this. The infinite universe. The bubble universe. The daughter universe. The mathematical universe. The parallel universe. And I believe the reason the world has a hard time approaching these concepts aren't because they're foreign or weird, but it's because they don't have the right starting point. So when we talk about alternate universes, it's like, all right, are we talking about Marvel movies? Like what, are we, like, what are we really talking about? But when you hear scientific phrases like the infinite universe, what does the infinite universe start with? It starts with the shape of time space, suggesting that it's flat and goes on forever. The bubble universe suggests that the starting point is a network of universes where each universe has very different laws of physics. The daughter universe starts with quantum mechanics. Mathematical universe tries to explain how, structure, how the structure of mathematics may change each universe. And the parallel universe has a starting point of multiple universes at the same time. Again, all of which try to explain and access something that is real, but not yet visible. And I would actually suggest that the concept is valid, but the starting point matters. What research and scientists has tried to explain through space-time and quantum mechanics and the parallel universe is already spelled out in Scripture. We just read it. Verse 3, by faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. So how do we access what Scripture and scientists have proven exist? We access it when we pull from the spiritual to the visible. When we make the invisible visible. Well, how, Pastor, how do we make the invisible visible? The first thing is we speak in alignment with God's promises. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed by God's commands. It was God's words that started everything. It was God's spoken word that created. Proverbs 18.21 says, The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat of its fruit. Our, world form, our words form our worlds. Our words form our worlds. When I worked at uh, Southeastern University, one of the probably one of the hardest tasks that I've ever had was uh, cr uh, creating a football team. Like, what do you mean creating a football team? Well, I worked in higher ed, and and we had the idea: let's start a football team. Now, you and I enjoy football because we get to watch the teams play. It is hard starting a football team from scratch. So let me tell you how it breaks down. There were two people in the program: it was the head coach, and it was me. Like that. That was it. We had to recruit hundred players. I remember getting a, a, fo a phone call from uh, Coach Bearfield, and I was, at, at this time, I was probably 23, 24, and Coach called me, and he said, Zach, he said, you got your cleats in your car? I said, uh, yes, sir. He goes, we got a blue chip coming in, and blue chip in his language meant we wanted to do whatever we could to get this guy signed. We wanted to do whatever we could because we were going to build a program around the person that was coming in around this blue chip. He goes, we got this, this kid named Jonathan Pierce coming in, and 
And uh, I remember being on our intramural field, and our intramural field wasn't really an intramural field. It was just a retention pond. So when it rained, there was water. When it didn't rain, there was no water. So I walk out on the field, and I'm like, I've never played, I haven't played football since like eighth grade. And even in eighth grade when I played football, I was like the third string that got to start one time in eighth grade. And, and so here I am now. I do, I do think I can run some crispy routes, all right? I think, I think I can run. Coach, I know you're over at Overflow. I, I mean, I think I can run routes better than anybody on the team. I, I don't think there's anybody at Davidson that can guard me. I'll, I'll throw that out there. Call them out. So I'm getting, I'm on the field, and, and I'm running routes. And, and, and then after Jonathan threw me a few balls about 30, 45 minutes later, I'm gassed. I'm out of breath. But we have to walk over and talk about the football field. Now, the reality of it is the football field didn't even exist. So I walked him to the soccer field. And when we stood on the soccer field, I started talking about what I could see in my mind's eye. I started talking about what I knew was coming, but wasn't yet there. It wasn't yet manifested in the reality. So I started talking about this turf field, and I started talking about these stands that would go down the sideline, and I started talking about this jumbotron that would have flames coming out the corners every time we scored. And I'm, and I'm pitching this image, and I'm pitching this story going, Dear God, please let Jonathan sign on the dotted line. And, and long story short, he ended up signing, and he ended up starting every single year that he was there, there and never had a losing season. Damon, go ahead and throw that picture up. A soccer field turned into a football field at Southeastern University. So I can talk about the concept of a turf field. I can talk about the concept of the stands. But the reality of it is nothing was there. But Jonathan caught the vision and he could see it in his mind's eye. If you live in a world tomorrow that your words are building today, what would your life look like? Because when I was talking to Jonathan about what was coming, I was building for the future. My words had power. Church, our words have power. If you live in the world tomorrow that your words are building today, what will your life look like? Are you building a world tomorrow of negativity? Are you building a world tomorrow of complaining or of blame or of bitterness? Or are you building a world tomorrow of faith and of life and of encouragement? We start with our words, but we can't stop with our words. See, only God can speak and create something from nothing. Ex nihilio means out of nothing. Only God can create something out of nothing. We're not God, so we have to speak in alignment to what God has already said. We add our yes. We add our tangible applications. If the band will go ahead and come back up. Number two is this. We take steps of risk. Church, I don't know about you, but if you take a look at our society, if you take a look at our world, playing it safe is actually not good. Playing it safe kind of puts us on the sidelines, and every church is in one of three stages, I believe. 
I believe they're either in a stage of risk-taking, which is moving forward for the kingdom and taking calculated risk, or they're in a phase of caretaking, and that's just meeting the status quo. That's just doing the very best to get by. And undertaking, that means they're dying. They're not seeing any salvations. They're not seeing any growth, and they're probably looking at how long it's going to take until they just close their doors. See, a life of faith requires risk. Where do you get that? I get that in Hebrews chapter 11. Noah risked being ridiculed and wasting his life. Abraham risked the comforts of leaving all that was familiar and laying his son on an altar. Moses' parents risked never being able to see their son again. Moses risked his status and all the pleasures of Egypt. Israel risked drowning in the Red Sea. Joshua risked walking in circles around walls that were still standing. Rahab risked execution. Daniel risked being eaten by lions. Gideon risked being crushed by an army that outnumbered him. David risked being flattened by a giant church. What are we risking for the kingdom? I'm tired of playing it safe. I'm tired of just standing on the sidelines. What are we risking. I mentioned entrepreneurs before. Listen, Jen and I have started a few businesses and we've had to take risk along the way. Jim, I know you've started a few businesses. You had to take risk along the way. Listen, anything worth anything means you have to take risk. Sure, it's a risk of failing. Sure, it's a risk of being misunderstood or looking foolish or being uncomfortable. Or the risk of the unknown. Yeah, I get, I get all that. But church, we have to take risk. What are we risking for Jesus? Not, not what are we playing comfortable for Jesus. But, but what are we risking? Can, can I be honest with you in this day and age? Man, it, it's a risk to even put something about the Bible on social media. You put some scripture on there and watch that follower count go down. You, you put something like, hey, how can I pray for you? And, and somebody responds back, man, I can't believe you believe in that nonsense. You, you put something out about Jesus and they're like, hey, you actually believe in him? Like, like, it's okay if you go to church, but don't talk about it. It's okay if you believe in that, but don't, don't tell the world about it. What are we risking? Can I be honest with you? We're not going to be a church that plays it safe. We won't be a church that sits on the sidelines. We're going to be a church that takes calculated risk. And the last thing that that we have to do is we have to add our tangible generosity. Abel gave an acceptable offering. Noah built an ark and the ark that was rebuilt in Kentucky, it, it cost like $92 million to rebuild the ark in Kentucky, the replica. Moses gave up all the riches of Egypt. So yeah, church, we can talk about building a building. But what are we going to do? What are we going to risk? On December the 6th, we'll have our building banquet. We'll have our offering and our commitments after service. But this is what we're doing. This is what I just preached on. We're going to align our words. We're going to take risk. Then we're going to practice generosity. Remember verse 3. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. 
so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible, visible being faint of, to bring to light, to cause to appear, to become manifest. Church, I can see it in my mind's eye. I, I, I can see, if I close my eyes, I, I, can see, I can see the structure, but it's not just the structure that I see. I see families coming in and being restored. I see salvations. I see a celebrating baptisms. I see sons and daughters coming back home. You know what I actually see? I see, I see uh, adults and individuals that, that grew up in the church that might have been hurt, that might have been burned in the past. I see them coming back to the love of the Father. I actually see people who used to condemn church coming in the doors recognizing that they've been running their entire life. I hear the laughter of kids running through the hallways as the families check them in. I don't know if you can see it, church, but in my mind's eye, I can see it. I can see it. Now it's up to us to make it visible. Now it's up to us to add our yes. So as you stand all across this room, um, we know that we've been singing this song the, the past few weeks. And man, it's been, an anth- it's been an anthem in my life. It's been something that I've held on to. And, and maybe you're standing across the room like, I've never heard the song before. Well, you're about to hear it. And, and the concept behind this song is that that yeah, we're, we're broken, we're, we're broken people. But God, we will give you everything that we have to build your kingdom. We'll give you everything that, that we have to, to expand your kingdom. And last week, last week I asked you this question, what will Lake Norman be a gateway to? This week I'm gonna ask you this question. What will Lake Norman make visible that is already in the heavens? What will we make visible that God has already stored up for us in heaven? We're just waiting for heaven to come to earth. Church, let's join together as we sing this song.